Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Leeds University Business School's Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Dr Matthew Davis and I'm an Associate Professor here at the Business School. Uh, and today I'm joined by two guests. My name is Mark Sumner. I'm a lecturer in sustainability and fashion at the School of Design at the University of Leeds. Hi, and I'm Fergus Dowling. I'm a research assistant at the University of Leeds, uh, working on a project looking at the impact of COVID on the management of modern slavery. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And that's a really good introduction, Fergus, to the topic of uh, today's uh, episode. Um, so we're going to be talking about the impact of COVID-19 and the associated lockdowns on the global fashion industry, and in particular, thinking about what the effect has been on how brands and firms uh, manage worker rights and, and relationships in their supply chains. So I guess a good place to start would be to ask you, Fergus, I think, uh, what you've seen from the data and, and the research you've been doing around the impact of COVID-19 on how brands have been operating and, and the effect on their business. Well, what we're kind of seeing is it's a really mixed bag and, and it's very, very difficult to kind of give a, a, a broad brush for every single brand because not only have they all had to kind of deal with store closures and uh, changes in consumer purchasing practices of the fact that we're not going out and all this, um, but they're also having to deal with a complete difference in changes overseas as well. And um, so broadly speaking, it's it's a very complex state of affairs. And Mark, what are you what are you hearing from colleagues in the industry and the the interaction you've been having with particularly UK based uh, fashion brands and retailers? I think as Fergus has, has, has pointed out, it's it's a very complex area, and and, and even without COVID, the the global supply chain for fashion is very complex. Um, and what we're seeing is is that some brands who generally have a quite resilient structure around managing modern slavery and ethical compliance tend to be working better um, and responding better to, to COVID. Um, however, what we did see at the very start of the COVID impact, because no one really knew what was going on in the supply chain, no one really knew how COVID was impacting the, that global supply chain, which touches uh, China, India, Pakistan, Vietnam, Cambodia, and, and and a multitude of other places, because no one really knew what was going on. There was there was a uh, there was a very strong tendency for people to go, well, I need to protect my business, my workers, um, and 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 not be so focused on what what was happening in that extended supply chain. So there's a real complex um, situation at the moment with different levels of response um, to different types of COVID impacts. And it really is a very mixed bag in terms of what we're seeing within the industry. But of course, within the UK industry, we know that retail pre-COVID was employing almost a million people within the retail community. And what we are seeing as a result of COVID with these changes in shopping practices that that, that um, Fergus mentioned is lockdowns and, and, and the change in, in purchasing patterns has meant that we've seen a huge number of store closures, We've seen uh, lots of redundancies um, in the UK, and we don't think that that's going to stop. We think that, that there'll be a continuation of that trend. So there's a real issue, both in terms of workers in the UK, but also workers in that extended global supply chain. That's interesting, Mark. And I wonder um, if each of you really could could think about, well, how does the current disruption we've seen, which have been profound, isn't it, from what you were just saying, Mark and, and Fergus, how does that compare to past shocks that the industry's had? I'm thinking in particular maybe the global financial crisis, 2008, 
or events like Rana Plaza factory uh, kind of collapse and so on, which have really kind of shocked the industry before. How does this compare? I think there's some, there's some key factors about COVID which make them makes makes it different to other um, shocks, but there are some uh, analogies that we can pull through, some similarities we can pull through. So the uh, financial crisis in 2008-9 tended to, to, to impact the uh, demand side of the, 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 the supply chain. Um, Western markets tended to, to reduce the, the amount of orders that were being placed. Whereas Rhino Plaza sort of had a more of an impact on a more localised supply side so the Rana Plaza disaster occurred um, back in 2013. Um, nearly 1,300 people uh, died in the factory collapse. And that factory collapse um, led to major changes within the industry in terms of how they manage and how they identify issues um, associated with uh, worker rights. Um, and, and what we saw around that time was, was a huge number of UK retailers really focusing on, on what they can do around uh, worker rights and worker protection. What we're seeing with COVID is we're seeing an impact on demand side and an impact on the supply side. We also have a real issue about we don't really understand the scale, the duration and the types of impacts COVID is having on supply and demand. And as a result of that, that, um, uh, that, that lack of knowledge, we're seeing people making decisions that, that you know, are, are, are maybe not the best decisions at that time. And, and of course, hindsight is a great thing. But what we're seeing now is that, is that because things are happening so quickly and happening on that global basis, it's making it really challenging to, 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 to really understand how COVID is, is, is having a long-term impact. Going off that, the, the supply and the demand shock is, there's, it's not just both, but both of them happening at the same time in in different parts of the world and and those repercussions from each of those impacts then having further impacts on each other so it's it's a real as we keep saying a mixed bag but because of that um it's creating its own set of issues and then obviously scale is is completely different but that in itself as well the scale of it is causing issues in itself it's creating strain in different areas and and really kind of pushing apart any weak links in the chain um so although the financial crisis um was primarily focused over here in the west um the true globalness of of the pandemic is really coming through in in the levels of the impacts i wonder then for for both of you you were talking about the uh, the change and how this is un- unprecedented. What do you think might the implications be for uh, supply chains and, and those working within the supply chains then looking forwards uh, from now? Do you think there's going to be any change in, in what's happening, any challenges or opportunities there? Well, I think it's interesting if we, we look back again at something like Rana Plaza. When Rana Plaza happened, um, there was a, a, a large proportion of the, of the industry and um, external stakeholders who said, Rhino Plaza was such a major shock to the system, to, to fashion and clothing, that the, the, the system would change um, forever. I think there's an argument to say there's been some small changes that have become um, sort of the norm within the fashion industry, but the scale of and, and the duration of those changes is, it, it isn't what we all thought it was going to be. And as, as, as as Fergus has said, you know, the, the scale of what we're seeing with COVID is, is, is huge, obviously. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's an obvious statement. Um, 
But I think it may be too early for us to be able to predict and say, well, what, what are going to be the repercussions of this and how long those repercussions are going to remain um, sort of set within the industry. I, I suspect that we are going to see some major changes um, and I'm hoping some of those major changes are going to be really positive in terms of things like uh, improving um, transparency and improving the relationship and, and, the, and, and the, the, the connection between brands and suppliers. But we are in a situation where no one has been in before. This is, this is the first time we've all faced a pandemic, obviously, um, and everyone is responding and reacting in different ways. And I think the long-term repercussions of, of, of COVID and the way that the industry works is, is going to be something that we're going to be reporting on and looking at and feeding through for the next four, five, six years to really understand what those impacts are. Um, but but I, I, I think we are starting to see, um, as I say, some positives coming out of the, the, the COVID crisis, um, which I think is going to, in, in a perverse way, I think are going to actually mean that um, supplies in the supply chain may have uh, better structures and, and brands have better management systems to support um, workers and, and, and try and minimise the, the instances of things like modern slavery. It's, it's great to hear that you think there's, some, there's going to be positives coming out of this. And I guess um, one of the questions that, that comes to my mind from uh, looking at some of the discussion around other industries as well um, after this and, and the need for greater resilience and diversification, is there seems to be a tension here in terms of maybe needing to diversify more so we're not concentrated so much in one region in case there's lockdowns or or other kind of uh, natural disasters or, or so on that, that might occur versus wanting to, to maybe reshore production or to have shorter supply chains so you know your suppliers better and you can work more intensively with them. How, how do you see this kind of playing out? Do you see a, a trend or a desire to, to kind of reshore some of this production or, or do you think that's just not going to happen? I think this the, the COVID situation it, it is going to throw up um, the, the complexity of the industry. Um, and, and there are too many um, commentators around fashion who seem to think it's a quite a simple process. We decide what the trends are, we get a factory to make them and we sell them. Um, and actually the reality is much more complex than that. Reshoring only really applies to garment making. There is, yes, a little bit of fabric production in the UK, but supplies of the raw materials, uh, cotton production, uh, wool production, polyester production, viscose production, the, the bulk of that is, is overseas and, in fact, is, is beyond the, the boundaries of, of, of the European Union, for example. And in places like, in, 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 in cotton production, for example, as an agricultural system, that is open to all sorts of real big issues associated with modern slavery, and also will be open to all sorts of issues associated with, with um, the impact of COVID. So reshoring, bringing garment making back to the UK, is going to address some issues, but it doesn't address those bigger issues that are out there. And I know, uh, Fergus, in terms of some of the research that you looked at, what we found was that different tiers of the supply chain have been in, impacted in different ways by COVID to, to more and greater, uh, more or less greater extent. Yeah, and to, to kind of come in on what Mark's saying is, what is interesting is we know of how the um, UK brands have acted and, and there's been um, 
uh, a complete mixed bag of reactions. So some have cancelled orders, some have guaranteed that they're going to pay for all their orders. But but what does that mean kind of moving forward? Because obviously we can see that sales have completely dropped. So they're going to have huge amounts of stock. And I think uh, stock left over that they will um, probably push on in the future. But how is that going to translate down? Because at the minute we're not seeing um, that there's a kind of a fall in payments towards garment workers, but there is a fall further down in the tiers. And it's interesting to see how is that impact going to then maybe carry on through up the supply chain. And and something that I read recently is um, the price of cotton has actually dropped to um, price as low as it was at the financial crisis. So that's another issue that is probably going to yet be felt and that will most likely translate through the supply chain and probably won't come into effect in maybe a year or so's time. And, and that's and that's a really interesting point. The the financial crisis 2008-09 uh, for the fashion industry um, saw cotton prices fall as low as they have been for 15-20 years. And in some ways, that, that was seen in a positive way by, by the, the industry, meaning that cotton prices, because they were low, meant that it was easy and cheaper to buy the cotton. But it was disastrous for the cotton farmers themselves. And there are over 100 million farmers, cotton farmers in the world, reliant on the price of cotton to, to provide income. The consequence of the, the crash in 2008-09 for, um, for the cotton price was three or four months later, we saw a quadrupling in the price of cotton. Now, the complexity of how all of these things worked is, it, well, just reflects the complexity of the fashion industry. That We've got all of these different things going on. What do commodity uh, traders do when the prices fall so low? What, what happens to the planting of cotton? All of these things have repercussions that, that have um, impacts that go on for 6, 12, 18, 24 months. So what we're seeing with COVID is, is really the, the front end of, of that shock. And we are going to be seeing ripples going through the supply chain up and back along the supply chain as we see changes on the supply side, as, as Fergus was pointing out, you know, the, the price of cotton going down. That has repercussions. But what we're also seeing at the same time is this change in um, consumer purchasing patterns, which means that we're going to see changes and fluctuation in orders and the, the rate of change of those orders. And these two things are going to collide somewhere in the middle of the supply chain where we could have a tsunami of issues coming up. And that and I don't think we've seen that yet. So we've we potentially got more stuff to, 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 to deal with in terms of what the, the implications are. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So I think uh, a lot of the attention has been over the, the immediate short-term impact, isn't it, of kind of closure and, and kind of cancelling the borders and, and what that means for, for suppliers. But as you're saying, Mark, this could be something that really runs in over the next few years. And, and I guess one of the worries is where you see those prices drop uh, and the margin is squeezed. So that's where you have the temptation or the, the pressure, I guess, on, on workers and, and in terms of looking to, to find a competitive advantage, which may not be to everybody's advantage, I guess, in, in the supply chain. Um, I think some really interesting themes coming through there, and I think we could talk a lot more about a, all of these, really. And I guess this is a reason why, or one of the reasons why our current research project is looking at the impact uh, within fashion industry and supply chains. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about this research, um, you can visit our project webpage um, or get in touch with us directly. The details are available in the episode description. Uh, we'd be delighted to hear from people in the industry uh, to gather your views on, on this topic. 
Um, it's not something that's going to go away. So I think this is a, a theme we'll be following up on for quite some time. So please do get in touch. Um, but with that, um, Mark and Fergus, I'll let you say goodbye. Uh, thanks very much for, for the opportunity to, to be involved in the podcast. And we look forward to getting any feedback at all for anyone that's listened. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. And thanks for listening.